Well, hello everybody. Uh, welcome to the FUDS on Film commentary for David Lynch's Dune. I am Craig Eastman and with me, Scott Morris. Hello there. Uh, this podcast uh, commentary is coming to you as a spin-off from our previous episode, which was a retrospective of David Lynch's work. And as ever, we've picked one of the outliers um, from within that canon to provide you with a commentary. And I guess if you want to talk about a David Lynch film, I will assume, because this is my first ever viewing of it, that um, Dune, with its protracted um, or tortuous production history, is probably as good as any, Scott. Uh, yes, uh, it's an interesting film for a vast number of reasons. Maybe least so because David Lynch is involved in it, but uh, this was the first time someone at a studio decided to give David Lynch a hell of a lot of money to go off and make something that would be mm. essentially piggybacking off the success of Star Wars. And you can kind of see the idea in theory that this would work, but uh, the practice of it hasn't quite played out. Uh, you are we're being told in this voiceover by Princess Uriolan to who's very lovely yes but it is perhaps one of the, the major flaws of this film is that it is doing a very poor job of explaining anything <laughs> uh, now Setting up a film just with a monologue is generally considered quite lazy, but uh, to be honest, mm. I'm not sure you could do any other way uh, for something as dense as Frank Herbert's uh, Dune book. Yes, the source material, which I, I think we discussed the other day when we were doing the Lynch podcast, I managed to, I think, work my way through about a third of before I found it so dense as to be kind of off-putting enough to just never have gone back to it. Yeah. And that that was some 15 years ago or something like that. Yeah. Now, I really liked the book, uh, which was, I guess, partly why I'm pretty sure that this was my first David Lynch film that I saw. Um, although at a point in my life where I probably would not have really cared who the director of anything was, I was just watching it for the, the sake of watching it. Um, the problem with this film is that it's... It, it's an oddly scripted film. I mean, two hours, 20 minutes is by no means short, but it doesn't do a great job of really explaining a lot of what goes on, which is partly why there's an extended cut of this, which David Lynch uh, refused to put his name to. Uh, for, it was done for television uh, for the most part, I believe that was, which goes up to three hours mm-hmm. uh, and is not... Which for a book the size of June kind of feels like more what sensible you would for that. This yeah. to begin with, yeah, um, yeah. Just just to point out, we are watching the. Uh, it's based off the Blu-ray release of the video file we're watching here, uh, which is essentially the same as the uh, DVD release, uh, the theatrical cut. Uh, there was also a sci-fi miniseries made fairly recently. Uh, I say oh, recently, yeah, comparatively. I forget about that. Yeah, but that, if you think about that, I'm fairly sure that went to something more like six hours. Uh, and was a bit more complete in terms of compl- uh, describing, the, uh, translating the book, sorry. However, it wasn't particularly brilliant either. Uh, this is a film which in a great number of ways is fatally flawed, but nonetheless there is something there that I really love, I guess just because I, I like the source material so much. Mm. Um, Frank Herbert's book does have such a, a rich world that's described in it, and enough of that has made it into this film, I think, that, that kind of makes it uh, enjoyable for me. So. I think for for as long as I've known you, I, I remember you being a a fan of Dune. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of it is 
based more upon my source, my love of the source material, I think, rather than this film. But mm. there's a number of things about this film which I think is defensible. It's it, narratively, I think it's it struggles, but there's an awful lot of really lovely design done on this this already. I mean, this uh, the, this is you're now looking at the uh, the far future version of Wikipedia to giving you a bit of a. A briefing on who's who's who in this world, but uh, there's a lot of really nice uh, visual design going on. Um, the special effects, unfortunately, especially in this Blu-ray remaster, have have not held up in the slightest. They didn't look particularly great at the time, as I understand it, and yeah, the, the, their deficiencies are, are shown quite quite badly in this. But uh, we'll we'll get onto that. Some mm. things like this this kind of little model shot here looks pretty good. Um, but there are some effects later on which do not fare quite so well. Uh, uh, it's, it's probably worth mentioning that this film was quite c- catastrophic for uh, the studios involved. It cost an awful lot of money. The production was incredibly involved. It was I think it took about like five years to do in the end, tying up uh, mass, tying up the world's biggest sound stages for years, and basically came out and flopped. So not not a a grand. Uh, a great mark on Lynch's career, but uh, it's, I think, dealt a little harshly. Uh, there's more to recommend to it in this, and I'll try and point out the things that I like. But I mean, already you're seeing that this, this kind of this set design, this costume design is really quite Lovely. lavish, isn't it? Yeah. Um, if the rest of the movie looks like this, I'll be happy enough. It's. I mean, I'm, I'm aware. I've never seen the film, but I'm aware of the. Uh, I'm aware of the, the memes. I want to say the memes. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, I I know I'm going to see Sting floating about at some point, or no, not Sting. I'm going to see a, a, a an overweight man in a nappy floating about at some point, aren't I? <laughs> yes, and, and this, is, this is a film that's a planet of evil ginger people, and it's best not to think about it too much. Uh, something you may have you may have missed because we were talking over it, but it's not particularly well explained. But these this this fellow again wheeled in here as a guild navigator, which is essentially the right. This rings a bell. This bit. This is this is the big boy. What you can do? Oh, you're folding space and all that, so you can have a space travel in this universe. And I love this line. <laughs> yes, day one. <laughs> And perhaps where the, the film structure is a bit odd is you're already in this first, really the opening scene, you're being d- dumped into a world of uh, interstellar politicking, which, and it's done very little to describe who the factions involved in this are already. And so you, you'd be quite, uh, quite forgiven for feeling quite confused about this already, especially when this boy shows up, because, well... As you're about to see, he looks a bit unique. Oh, yes, yes, he is. <laughs> oh, hello. Well, that's Admiral Ackbar's Cornish cousin. <laughs> Performing much the same thing. The, the, the concept of this is you, you have a, a planet, Arrakis, which is where space is... Uh, harvested uh, a drug which allows these boys to fold space. And so essentially it is the the, the entire economy of the galaxy. Uh, it's predicated it's on space. Yes. So which is why it's a, such a, the planet is in such, 
such demand. So again, this effectively is just more monologuing to set up the uh, the concept of the film. So it's, it, it, we're still really in that introductory monologue. There is really so much information that this film tries to get through that it, it is very difficult to imagine how it could have been done much better mm. uh, without just making the film seven hours long. Yeah. The kicker of this for me is that in watching this for the first time whilst recording a commentary, I'm going to be lost. In fact, if if not already, then within <laughs> minutes. Thankfully, very when when you actually get to Arrakis, it, it becomes mm. a whole lot easier to to get behind. In many ways, I think if you're actually going to do a proper, well, to do a more conventionally narratively successful film. You should probably have ditched all of this because mm. if you just reduce it to two feuding house families and one eventually one is one of these families is betrayed and the kid survives and tries to regain regain his position and take vengeance upon that kind of thing. It's a far simpler, easier to understand story and would probably probably would probably have got to basically all the same points that the film does as it does. Uh you would lose some of the, the wider scope of it, I think, which would, I'm sure would have annoyed many people who loved the books. However, mm. it would have worked better as a film. Mm. If anything, I mean, it, it, of course, it's tough to say. I mean, I, I just I do like the guy sweeping up after him. It's good that they've uh, they're cleaning up their slime after them. That's nice. Uh, it's in many it ways seems to be cleaning a very limited tract of that, though. Yeah, well, they're going to curl a bit, <laughs> throw some curling balls down there afterwards. It's 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 a strange thing to come out because it, why I liked the books was because I had such a grand scope and if you read further into uh, Frank Herbert's uh, sequels to Dune, the scope only ever got wider and wider and it became like truly galaxy encompassing the, the world that he built the galaxy that he built rather. Um, whereas I think the, the film really might have been better served by ignoring most of that and just focusing on something a bit more something a little smaller tighter. concept, a little easier mm. to understand, you know. Essentially, it's really it's relatively simple. Uh, you've got the good guys, the Atreides, are feuding with the bad guys, Argonans, and the rest of it's almost ancillary to the film. Uh, not quite, of course, but um, perhaps if you'd focused more on that aspect than anything else, might have been more uh, understandable. Do you know what I'm sitting here thinking about? You know, as say, within recent memory, of course, there was the TV series. I'm thinking now that June would be ripe for a Netflix or an Amazon Prime um, kind of series. Yeah, yeah. Or an HBO, because we are in the golden era of television right now, as far as these things go, and you have a number of producers who are quite happy to spend the time and money telling a story like this properly, because <coughs> you touched on it. One thing that does my head in is when people complain that um, <coughs> excuse me, a movie doesn't stick closely enough to the source material. Yeah, um, which is a ludicrous statement to make in the first place, uh, because obviously we're talking about 
inherently different media, but especially in a, a, a book of the scope and scale and size of Dune, you you're not ever going to be able to you're not ever going to be able to fit everything that everyone wants um, from that no. novel into anything shorter than well, unless people are happy to sit in a cinema for ten hours. Mm. Um, it's ludicrous to suggest otherwise. So I'd be interested to see what they would do with a Dune series now if someone wanted to. Uh, well, I'm assuming the rights are tied up somewhere. Possibly, but I've not heard any uh, rumours of it being brought back to a screen anytime soon. But uh, mm. I'm sure someone has the rights to it, no doubt. And, uh, yeah, you, you will see a great many of uh, Lynch's normal uh, squad. Of course, Gavin McLaughlin there. As our lead, and uh, does Jack Nance show up in this anyway? He does, very minor role, but he is in there. Of course, John Luke Picard and uh, your fella from Quantum Leap. So, no, no shortage of. Uh, you know, sci-fi staples. I've I've never understood that line. I don't know if it's a pun on moo, because moo would be a thing for cattle. But uh, yeah, puzzle. Oh, some interesting effects, weren't they? Yes, as I say, some of it hasn't worked, hasn't aged particularly well. But I bet this cost a fortune at the time. Yeah, it's hard to say how effective it would have been, but it does not look particularly great now, does it? No, it's got a certain aesthetic about it. Yeah, <laughs> that's one way of putting it, yeah. I do like the sound design of the shields, though. We'll give it that. Hmm. It's ever so slightly lightsabery, though, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> Somewhat overblown it is, this, but I do like most of the cast in this. So they can do quite well with the source material yeah the real blood uh, <laughs> those Harkonnens are road <laughs> but Ziggy says there's a very slim chance of ever coming across them yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Blue within blue eyes.
in many ways, the star of this show really is Freddie Jones's eyebrows. <laughs> it's the, the full Healy, I think it would be. I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so his gimmick here is that he's a he's a mentat. So he's essentially a human computer, if you like, uh, the universe of Dune having had a butlerian jihad to remove all uh, thinking machines and AI devices at some point sort of far into this the past of the, this universe. So it's now essentially supposed to all be machines who are, uh, sorry, all humans who are running with it. Machines were kind of taking over human thinking and that was seemed, deemed anathema and was rejected at some point. So now everything's really done by humans and kind of humans like those, uh, the guild navigators, which at one point were humans before uh, devolving into such things. Ever so subtly. Yes. Uh, now, this is one of the puzzling things. I'm never really even quite sure why this was added, but the, this whole gimmick of the Atreides using sound-based weapons is an invention entirely of this film. And I don't really know why it's been bothered with, because so it part of the, takes quite a bit of part of the book? Uh, no, not, none of this uh, uh. sound-based weapons at all. <laughs> Where you are. Because <laughs> it, it, it sounds daft. I don't really see why, the, why there's much benefit in making strange umming noises before firing something. It just looks silly. You don't see many of these things down at local gym either, which is probably a good thing. Mm. <laughs> yes, and, and that metal bit went on fire for some reason. Yes. I've always loved the Atreides marching. It is it's compact. Sort of, some, some, yes. It's quite unsettling, actually. Yeah, so if you missed it, uh, these guys, the Atreides, the our nominated hero faction, is uh, being told to go off to control Arch the Arrakis, which was previously in the control of their arch enemies, the Harkonnens, who you'll see in the, in the scene after this, I believe it is. Uh, yes, and... The Emperor is sort of juggling strings between them all. He's he's quite clearly setting up a trap, as we've already discussed, to try and uh, get rid of these troublesome Atreides who are becoming too popular in the, the the Landsrad, which is their version of the... Essentially, the whole Emperorship is some kind of like grand feudal scheme, if you like, in there. The Atreides were seen as becoming a bit too popular and possibly threatening the Emperor's position, so this is a scheme to get shot of them. Well, 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 look who it isn't. Indeed. There's a very large number of people this, this pops up in this film going, oh, yeah, him. <laughs> Unfortunately, you might want to not get too used to having this guy around. So, <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <coughs> Hmm. 
words to live by there. Yeah, touching. The sleeper must awaken. The other thing I really don't recall being in the books at all was this this focus on the Duke's uh, the Ducal signet ring, which you saw there, which looked a bit like a mm. a cigar <laughs> a cigar uh, sticker. But um, yeah, as it mentioned in the the intro, that uh, our lovely evil Harkonnen Duke is sworn to getting that ring. I don't really know why. It doesn't seem to make a lot of sense in terms of either this film or anything I can think of in the book. So. I think that was added in just as a little bit of a, a visual insignia, so something else to put the film on. The other thing you, you may have witnessed missed is the as we were going through the intro was the Benny Jesuit, the, the the witches as they were called. they they have a centuries long breeding programme going on to, to try and create a a super being, a Kwisatz Haderach. And the idea was for Jessica there to bear only daughters to Lady Atreides, and that would be wedded off to one of the Harkonnen uh, sires and try to stop that little blood feud. But Jessica went and had a kid, a boy. Oh. How untrustworthy. Just out of love. And it is entirely possible for these women to uh, select what the sex of the kid they're going to take. They're they, in terms of this universe, have tremendous control of their bodies. They're tremendous uh, uh, physical fighters as well, but they, they essentially have complete mental control over all their muscles, which makes them incredibly powerful and something something along those lines. Uh, so they're, they're not quite witches, but they do have certain powers over and above what you may expect them to have just from their outfits and hair. Yes, you're moving, son. You're moving. You're moving to the desert planet. So all this is kind of foreshadowing that he will have uh, be able to hold the same kind of prescience and you know foresight that uh, guild navigators and so on have as a result of his breeding and as eventually his uh, exposure to the spice. However, uh, I'm not quite sure why it's happening at this point, given that he's not he's not been. Triggered by the, the spice or anything like that. So. I'm going to hazard a guess and suggest that at some point later in the film, then do his eyes become blue within blue? Blue within blue, indeed.
and again with the ring. It's just a ring, though. I mean, <laughs> mm-hmm. unless, unless you really want to be able to forge his documents, but yeah. Huh? Who's the actress playing Jessica? Francesca Annis. Yes, they have a very commanding tone of voice as well. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's a box. But what's inside the box? (laughs) (laughs) I must have been familiar with that line from your, your good self, I think. That's uh seems harsh. Yeah. I did pitch this as a uh, chan- a game show concept for Channel Four, but they weren't going to go for it. It's like an extreme version of Deal or No Deal. Pain or no pain. <laughs> He's going to want a bit of E45 on that. Oh, I was going to take it out and not look at it. <laughs> I was going to wear this box forever. Yes. Yes. <laughs> 
perhaps a more considered response than mine might have been. Yes. Do you know about a plot device, which I'm going to tell you about? (laughs) We couldn't fit in this explanation anywhere else, so I'm giving it Mm. to you now. Now, this information may be of no use to you whatsoever in the next (laughs) few hours. Splitting hairs there, love. (laughs) (laughs) I don't recall what else I may have seen this um, this actress in who's playing his mother. Francesca Annis. Um, Not much. She's in Krull. She's in Revolver. Oh, mm-hmm. she was in The Libertine with Johnny Depp. I think this is still at uh, Kyle McLachlan's career, a point in his career where he looks unsettlingly young. For it really does, anything. doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, one of my favourite characters, Brad Dorf's. <laughs> oh my days, Brad Dorf. <laughs> No one else working in Hollywood quite has his look, do they? No. <laughs> yes, uh, if you're going to make a criticism about June, it's a bit simplistic in the way a lot of it's... Got. A lot of its uh, tropes and things are, whereas this is, we've now reached the planet of the Harkonnens, which is, of course, evil and entirely industrial. Like the, the whole planet is one big industrial complex. It looks, seems all, perhaps a little bit uh, monoculturistic, but uh, what the hell? Elton John. Oh, my days. <laughs> ah, Baron Harkonnen, I assume. Yes.
In brief, sir, he says, F off. <laughs> Allow me to overact wildly. Oh, there's Jack. Hmm. Evil ginger sting. Uh, is there another kind? <laughs> well, I was a one-time ginger myself before becoming a, more of a bald person. Um, I, I, I remember <laughs> taking some offence at this as stereotyping of the whole ginger culture as being evil. Not quite right. It's not fair. We're so... <laughs> yes, yes, your plan. Okay. I see from whence your love of this movie is born, Scott. <laughs> I sense a deep ginger in you. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Brad Dourif. Could you speak a little more clearly and uh <laughs> Yes. Could you possibly uh gesticulate a little more? <laughs> I'd, oh I don't wow! Really the point of that either. I want one. This, your shorthand method of saying, "Oh look, these these people are bad," because well, well, look at them. It's a, such an understated performance, isn't it? <laughs> yes. It's so subtle, so subtle. <laughs> Whoa, Rodney Dangerfield eyes for a second there. <laughs> it does, does a lot of repeating himself in the shouting of it, doesn't he? Actually, fly, you know, fat man, fly! Rod Rodney Dangerfield would have been awesome in this role. <laughs> Did you have to levitate twenty feet in the air just to laugh? Yes. Look, just I suppose sometimes just because you can. Yeah, I mean, if you could, you would, wouldn't you? If you got it, flaunt it. Also, if you got it, why not bathe in oil? Oh, just because. Like this is, I think this is a really great visual scene, but it makes no sense whatsoever. What the hell? I don't know why they have heart plugs either. That's not something from the novel. To my recollection, no, I'm no. fairly certain all this, all all of this scene. Uh, all the bits on Harkonnen planet is essentially inserted for the film as best as I can remember. I mean, it's an arresting visual, but doesn't make a lot of sense. But 
Sting does a good gurn. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, yeah, to what end that little vignette, yeah. I don't know, but... Well, I mean, it's, it, it just tells you that they're evil. <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't watch that and think those were the good guys, so in that respect, I suppose it's effective. That's a little Baron whiffs a lot of tradies there. Yes. Jürgen Prock now is a, a masterful wielder of the beard. Yes. <laughs> a long honed art. The one thing this uh, film doesn't really uh, do a great job of explaining is the fate of little Sir Baron Woof's a lot there. He kind of disappears out of the film, more or less, after Aww. the scene. It's a bit of a shame. Yeah, let's say some of the effects work mm, not holding up quite so well. <laughs> Very much of its time. <laughs> yes. Uh, particularly Think how, tr how trivial now for something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, to, say, to call it trivial um, does a huge disservice to the, the skill of the people involved, but can certainly be achieved with greater ease than, I suppose, the, uh, the optical route down which... Yeah, yeah. One had to go at this period. I'm quite taken by Francesca Anna. She's stunning. Yeah. I don't mean that in a in a, in a cheap sense. What a, what a, what a beautiful woman. Yeah. Say so some of this stuff holds up. I mean, the, the shop <laughs> before this was go nice. Out. That little, little <laughs> shot, the, the kind of tracking shot through the model looked really good, but then this mm. does not. <laughs> and no. There's a strange mix of uh, things that have, that have aged actually quite well and things that have just look no. laughable. Uh, if you ever wondered how to fold space, this is this is what's going on inside those warp drives that Star, that Star Trek has. Oh, uh, is that what the navigator's doing here? Yeah. He is in the act of folding space. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, Firing Kamehaha's at them or something. So. Yes. Yeah, this doesn't really get explained in any great depth in the books, and I think perhaps it would have been wiser not to bother because this is not convincing. <laughs> no. And also the uh, the effect for the ship. Uh, Vanishing, uh, reappearing back into normal spaces, not particularly well. Uh, has not aged particularly well, if I recall. Yeah, that's what coming I'll up. Be here. about to see it now. Yeah, yeah. So, 
It's about Route 1, isn't it? Oh, how could they possibly have achieved that? <laughs> stunning, stunning. <laughs> after, after that LSD trip of folding, the actual yeah. act of folding space and just uh, fade in. Oh. <laughs> that passed. <laughs> A hand. <laughs> Fingernails. The other interesting thing about the book, which that, that little monologue there kind of touched on, was that mm-hmm. the Part of the, the the way that Benny Jesserit had spread their word throughout the the universe is they, they'd also seeded planets with uh, essentially with Messiah prophecies into the the kind of uh, downbeat peoples of the world and it, it, and it's explained in the book that that was really just the case where if any of the Reverend Mothers found themselves in some sort of uh, situation where they were thrust among them they could then use that to manipulate the people. Into right. kind of ensuring her safety, of course, and uh, that's that's kind of what this the book is about. It's about uh, the the dangers of superheroes, and if you if you let all your if you lend them to make all your decisions and let them lead everything, then that could possibly lead to disaster. And that's essentially what the books and the whole arc of books leads up to. Uh, it's not really touched on in this book, or if it is touched on, it's kind of taken more at face value of superheroes would be a good thing. Because they're super, rather than how they would uh, possibly affect the, the rest of humanity. So, in a way, I guess that's tying into what we're going to see in Batman versus Superman coming up. So, mm. yeah, there's the, the something of a legacy of that to lives on. Yes, Duncan, Duncan explaining. There's an army out there. If only someone could tap into them and lead yes. them. I'm not Dun- foreshadowing anything, honest. Duncan Exposition. <laughs> Went on to work for MI5. Unfortunately for the film, it, it does need to establish that the Atreides got themselves set up in the uh, on Arrakis before they can go into the, the sort of end game of getting rid of them from Arrakis. But this is easily the slowest bit of the film. Mm. Uh, it it's just you can sense how uh, how doomed all of this is, and it just kind of feels a bit like dead air. Shields up, red alert. <laughs> Space mining inspections. Oh, look. Look who isn't. Yeah. 
Max von Sudoff, once again, someone else who appears to have been di- injecting cobalt directly into his eyes. I noticed. <laughs> yes, but first I need a young priest and an old priest. <laughs> it's a countdown, Barney. Yeah. <laughs> You. <laughs> but you, but your skin may become a little crispy. <laughs> Some guy on YouTube. <laughs> the whole internal monologue thing gets a little bit old by the end of this film. Mm. It's, I'm questioning that myself already. Yeah. You may as well just have spoken that out loud. Mm-hmm. Altering the style to translate. <laughs> and. Ying tang, ying tang, ying tang, ying tang, ying tang, pill night ball. I do I do like the I do like the production design of the, the craft and stuff. Obviously if we if we remove the the optical effects work out of it, the actual set and the craft design and stuff yeah, I quite like. This film looks beautiful in most of the time. Uh, yeah, as you say, the effects work hasn't held up well, but production wise, uh, you can see where all the money went. Yeah, I was gonna say the money's up there. Yeah. Always? 
the impression I'm getting is sort of immediately the opinion I want to form is that it, the money's up on screen. It's 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 the optical work that's letting it down. The standard of the optical work. Something if you look at something like Blade Runner, yeah, arguably from a set perspective and whatnot, doesn't necessarily look as good as this. But overall, that's a better looking film, and because of the optical work, yeah. Um, but I'm I'm watching this thinking, wow, there's a lot to be enjoyed in the production. Yeah. Um, to an extent, the 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 grasp outside the reach, I suppose. Uh, you, I do get the impression if this were made just a few years later, it, it, yep. it all could have worked so much better. Yeah. I brought two on my face. <laughs> Not really a cloud of its dust, is it? No, I was going to say. Yeah. Just saying. <laughs> this is how bikes work now. Hello, London. <laughs> I'm not telling you <laughs> <laughs> your ma <laughs> oh mum what are you doing on the flight <laughs> <laughs> Considering that worm was apparently 16, 15, 16 minutes out, they suddenly arrived there very quickly. Yes. Get to the chopper! (laughs) What what caring duke he is. Hmm. Much better than that floating bastard. Pure, unrefined Chinese five spice by the smell of it.
I'm saying, oh no, a worm. <laughs> and unfortunately, familiar sight to anyone who's played uh, the June 2 games coming up as your Whoa. precious space harvester is chomped on by a big old worm. Oh, that was bigger than I was expecting. <laughs> yes. Oof. You wouldn't want to meet one of them down a dark alley? No. Need to be a very wide dark alley, obviously. Wait till you see the size of the crow that eats it, though. <laughs> mm. I like him. I like the cut of his jib. Mm. That's what I call a tall boy. Is that savage you're wearing? Look, I never said it was the most practical light fittings you could get. <laughs> Tell me, Dean Stockwell, is the card you're thinking of the Ace of Diamonds? <laughs> <laughs> I thought of that the last time we saw him, and I've been patiently waiting on him popping back up on screen. <laughs> Let me to shine this medical device over them. I know it looks like a yellow light, but... with this crazy optical zooming where is your son now <laughs> This chalk is safe. <laughs> You're now eating the chalk. What are you going to use to draw your blackboard now? Chalk is uh, one of those gateway drugs, though, isn't it? <laughs> You'll be on the Sharpies next. <laughs> Huffing super glue with the best of them by the end of the week. <laughs> 
tragic waste. Ah! Yeah. yeah. So space gives you a bit of a trip, at least if you're the, the preemptive Kwisatz Hazrak. Mm. The second moon, a huge hand. <laughs> Did you say this is spice? Because it's a lot like acid. <laughs> and here we see the most practical assassination yes. device. Ever known by man. <laughs> That's why I'm whispering. Seems well lit to me. <laughs> okay. Bzzzt. It's it's moving around like some <laughs> Like some ten-year-old kid is freezing at instructions from a BBC Micro, <laughs> <laughs> as though it's some murderous turtle. Forward, forward ten. Rotate counterclockwise forty-five. <laughs> Up three. McLachlan Lack last. <laughs> Kill door. Oh, I should have liked to have you then. A traitor. A traitor alarm. Not just a traitor, but one who has engineered an, an elaborate recess within a wall compartment that houses a floating assassination syringe. <laughs> we know because he's ginger. <laughs>
I keep waiting for someone to say, a new message has arrived. <laughs> I think we've got a bit of lag here, Scott. Well, like, this, this film has had its influences. Uh, things like the games and something. A lot of the, a lot of the things that came after this were based more on this film than the the books. It seems <laughs> certainly if you played any of the. The, the June games on PC and then June 2 Battle for Arrakis uh, it's all it's all based more on this film than it is anything to do with the books mm. <clears throat> I mean we're past the point I reached in the book now I believe so this is all completely uncharted territory for me not just from a filmic standpoint but I do see the influence of it in some of the other media I did try and go back and play the first Dune game just to get a, a sample of the a message has arrived at the palace quote from from that game, but uh, yeah, never quite managed to make it through to it. If only I would tell you these things instead of internalizing them constantly. <laughs> yes. In many ways, this the whole film is just a failure to communicate on so many levels. It must get really frustrating for him when he like pops down to the corner shop or something, and the guy behind the counter asks him what he wants, <laughs> and all he can do is internalize it and just <laughs> stare blankly and then leave empty-handed. <laughs> Again, I only wanted 20 Benson hedges, yes. but... Yes. All I want is 20 smokes and a macaroon. Why can't I say it? <laughs> oh, damn. No. No. Ziggy says you're screwed. <laughs> why, Dean Stockwell, why? <laughs> this is why I never trusted you in uh, Battlestar Galactica. Upset. <laughs> Disappointed. <laughs> Laden with regret. That was a handy tooth removing device he's got there. 
This guy's full of practical assassination um, tools, right? Yeah. He's this got his game down cold. <laughs> <laughs> I think the Americans went to Dean Stockwell when they were trying to do away with Castro. <laughs> I've got an idea about a poison cigar. <laughs> Commence operation panic. <coughs> there's no there's little. barn whiffs a lot. <laughs> Who will save you? By my brows. <laughs> If only we brought some backup AK forty sevens. So these are the Emperor's fearsome Sardaukar death troops showing up to do what they do best, murder people. It's a simple remit, but one they take great pleasure in. Oh, there's the doggy. Patrick Stewart's got him. (laughs) Yeah, we're just going to charge into a war zone, so... Yes, why would you you take the dog in with you? (laughs) He's, he's, he's dead. Regret. (laughs) Introspection. Empty. (laughs) Wow. Well, that was unnecessary. Yes.
battle is not going well because for some reason we're just running at people and not shooting them. Yeah. And if jumping only we had before they've even laid their, their hands on us. All <laughs> <laughs> those gesticulations. <laughs> They're the best. Duncan Idaho! You see, Duncan Idaho will not give up. He's nobody's fool. No. Duncan Idaho is not going to lie to you. He is going to F you up. (laughs) And he's got the polygons to prove it. Oh, oops. Ah, well, maybe not. <laughs> yay, I'm 180. <laughs> Treble top, yay. <laughs> 95. <laughs> Dr. Yue, you require nothing. <laughs> Farewell, Dean Stockwell. We barely knew ye or your weird moustache. <laughs> Ziggy says, ow! <laughs> Quick, before I pass, what card am I thinking of? Now, it's not easy to set a stone on fire, but we did it anyway. Well, we've already seen metal burn. <laughs> they're, a pair, they're a pair, aren't they? <laughs> Knee chat. To be fair, if you just had a haircut like those boys have had to get, you probably wouldn't be too talkative yourself. Mm. My mum's going to kill me when she sees this. <laughs> What was that badly ADR'd man? (laughs) Oh, careful now. No, no, don't fight over her. That's the exact opposite of what you just said. (sighs) (laughs) Yes. This is not the droid you're looking for. Yes. <laughs> How about first take over the controls of the craft? Yes. 
Yeah, you got that. Hey, Bolly. <laughs> Crushed it. <laughs> well, if nothing else, it's good to see a guy that's happy in his work. Well, I was just thinking um, that, yes. <laughs> Wee. <laughs> There's no need for me to go to Alden Towers. <laughs> and I never have to stand in a queue. It means he's sad. Yes. What do you think? He's not had a good day. Um. <laughs> well, the greed missed. Beloved of Japanese wrestlers. But fatal to poor Peter de Vries. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he did. He did. <laughs> Does this realization Again. stir this in him every time? <laughs> so understated. Such, such a restrained performance. This is where he now goes floating down the street screaming, Merry Christmas, you beautiful old <laughs> building, you! <laughs> you boy, bring me the biggest turkey! <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas, Barnhart Conan. Okay, take it easy, uh, Kyle McLachlan. Quick, mother, emergency exits are here and here. (laughs) (coughs) The one shall have to suffice. Actually, unless you get to the end of the books, in which case they start resurrecting him. Mm. But for now, the one will have to do. They start to resurrect who? Uh, Leto. Well, by the time you get to the f- uh, uh, perhaps the fifth book, actually, no, the, the, the ones that his son did afterwards with Kevin Anderson, the sixth and the seventh book, they, they start essentially resurrecting everyone 
who had been dead for many hundreds of years, just as goalless for uh, some reason. Um, it's never really particularly well explained in the books. Uh, the whole kind of series of books went from... Uh, it ended on Chapter House Dune, which was one of the last books that Frank Herbert did, and the series was kind of left to his son and uh, Kevin Anderson to continue, and they did a particularly horrible job of finishing that <laughs> franchise off. Uh, so, essentially, in terms of real Dune books, which I think most people would, yeah, would, would justify just not bothering with the the the, the ones that his son bothered with, uh, it, it kind of it kind of leads up to uh, a bit of a, a cliffhanger and ending on the last book that is never properly resolved because it's quite clear that his that although his son's his son was claiming that he is a he was left notes to finish the the series off. He kind of wasn't by by any rational explanation. Uh, he's made up his own little mythology around it, which is entirely different to what Frank Herbert was aiming at. So, yeah, you kind of get a bit, a bit, uh, never really get a proper answer to what's going on. But um, mm-hmm. and one of the things that his, his son did in, in association with Kevin Anderson in, in the later books was just to simply start resurrecting characters, just seemingly for the hell of it, for no particularly good reason. So you had Paul and another Paul. You had two Paul Atreides going around. You had Duncan being resurrected many times, although that was a Frank Herbert's idea. You had uh, UA and Jessica and everyone else, just for the hell of it. Seemingly they played no actual importance in the, the overall narrative arc of it. It was just fan service, effectively. Uh it's unfortunate that is uh, Brian Anderson uh, has, so Brian Herbert has has not been quite so respectful of his father's work that, as I think perhaps many people would have wished he would have been. Yeah, and he's created a, a whole artifice of bullshit around uh, around what was a a respected uh, series of books. Yes, yes, he's the one, right? <laughs> eternity, eternity, Calvin Klein. <laughs> Bit of a flashback to the IT crowd moment there. Yeah. <laughs> Picturing Matt Berry there. <laughs> There's no way that fits his pinky. No. Get out of town. <laughs> but you see, to an extent, this is more or less where I think the film should have started. Uh, and we're over a bit over halfway through it. But it would have probably made more sense if you just started with that bit. Or just shortly after the betrayal and then picked up with uh, Paul's... Uh, quest for vengeance, it would have made a little bit more sense to the uninitiated, I think, mm. and and would have been much easier to sort of scope within the that kind of reasonable two hour-ish movie, as opposed as opposed to the the kind of grander vision that it's had, but not quite been able to realise. I can't remember, when we were discussing Lynch. Uh, did, did you ever see Jodorowsky's Dune? The, I did uh, indeed, yes. Yes, which, uh, I, was, I thought we might touch on that at some point, actually. Yeah. 
just a, it's a very interesting documentary of uh, Alejandro Jodorowsky's attempts to create something in advance of this about uh, what we've been. I can't remember the exact timing, but it must have been something like five years before this was released. Yeah, guess, mid, mid to late 70s. Yeah. yeah. Which was a very a tremendously interesting bit of a... If you have any interest in how the, the filmmaking process goes, it's a very highly recommended uh, documentary mm-hmm. to watch. And I wonder how that would have turned out with uh, things like you know, Space Emperor, Andy Warhol and... Well, the one thing that annoys me about the documentary is that everyone is so certain that it would have been the greatest film ever made, and I, I find it pointless speculating over yeah. or trying to assert how great a film would have been that never got made, because we've all seen plenty of times how something on paper should have been fantastic yeah, and ended up being a travesty. I'm sorry, I'm in, I'm in love with this woman. <laughs> particularly, I, mean, if you, I think if you were looking at something like the storyboards for this version of Dune, you would think this would wind up being a really excellent film. Yeah, absolutely. It, it just kind of hasn't. It's, the execution's not quite fully there, but yeah. on paper, again, this should be brilliant. Yes. I feel like if you went through the production sketches for this, you could talk it up in quite the same way as yeah. uh, Jodorowsky's Dune. Yeah. Of course, it's particularly egregious in uh, that Jurowski's Dune because they're all talking about this mythical design manual that they had, which looked great, mm-hmm. fantastic, but it doesn't exist anymore apparently. So, mm-hmm. so they're all they're all talking about something that doesn't actually exist. So, very very difficult to back any of that up with facts. Yeah, but, but, it is a good yarn. Yeah, and you know the single most fascinating part of that documentary is in the the final. Um, Real where they go through sort of production sketches and match them up with um, um, elements of production yeah. from modern films to illustrate yeah. how that that design document influenced um, contemporary <clears throat> filmmakers, and there are some absolutely startling comparisons. Yeah, I think of the um, the entrance to the complex on the the surface of the planet and Prometheus in particular. Yeah. Oh no! Don't let this worm meet Francesca, Anis. It's okay. They're they're walking without rhythm, so they won't attract the worm. Ah. Uh. <laughs> of course, they. <laughs> I, a very strange reference to a Fat Boy Slim track, which uh, <laughs> I, I was never particularly sure where where that uh, confluence came from. But uh, yeah, the a sign of two thousands big beat culture and this film. <laughs> Okay, theoretically, you ought to be all right where you are, guys. You can stop running. Yeah, to, I guess, to be fair, if I was being chased by that, I'd probably keep going for a while after I thought I was safe, just to be sure. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> I mean, it's a big boy. I doubt I could take it on. Yeah. It's very naughty. Shouldn't have had beans then. Yes. Do you smell it? This worm is half his nut on it. <laughs> oh dear. Ah, inconvenient. Ah. 
Au! The worm has turned. <laughs> I thought you might be more happy about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was getting through to him as well. He would have become a ally. He was about to leave me his number. Uh, <laughs> I've been so lonely since your father died five minutes ago. <laughs> Why would you do this to me, Paul? Don't you want me to be happy? <laughs> he wasn't trying to be your dad. <laughs> Come again, Mum. <laughs> he would have been your stepworm, not your stepdad. <laughs> this has all been quite hard on you, hasn't it, Mum? <laughs> <laughs> You and the spice, mum. <laughs> Menacing. <laughs> oh, look who it isn't. Yep, it's not him. Judo chop. <laughs> he knows how to talk to a woman, doesn't he? <laughs> All right, darling, you're worth your uh, ten times your weight in water. Oh, you, you had me at hello. It's okay, Paul. I've dumped the worm. Now I'm with Everett here. I'm with the bad guy from Under Siege 2 now. <laughs> I didn't realise Sean Young was in this. Yeah, it has quite the cast. Hmm. I think I can guess what this will be. Mwadib.
<laughs> Could I be known as Macho Man Randy Savage? <laughs> You'll be known as Macho Man Randy Savage. Yay! <laughs> what do you call the one who says, Oh, yeah, dig it? <laughs> We call that one the Macho Man. Show off. I do sometimes get the impression that Lynch chose to focus more on the earlier part of the books just because it would give him greater scope to have more interesting sets as opposed mm. to essentially caves, which is what the rest of the film is going to be yeah, saying. Yeah, you think he was primarily thinking visually. Well, it, it, it's hard to, to to determine that man's thought processes at the best of times, but he does seem so concerned with visuals and everything else that he's done over narrative almost exclusively that it, it, it's almost a defensible hypothesis, but on the basis of not really having anything else to do. I mean, there's no real other explanation for scenes like this. What the hell? <laughs> I mean, seriously, what? <laughs> that was just rude. Just rude. <laughs> what is Jack Nance controlling there with that device? The cow. <laughs> this is on the settling scene. I am Tantric Man. <laughs> to write some shit songs about it. <laughs> <laughs> Fields of sand. <laughs> you remember me when the worm eats you. <laughs> 
She could just have picked up the phone. Our rev- mother is old and busted. You are the new hotness. One day you'll have to do what? Take the weird strippy hallucinogen water. Oh, that's for the crack. She did. All in a day's work. <laughs> Dad, what are you doing? <laughs> we are skipping ahead five chapters because we couldn't fit it in. This is why I'm voice-overing it. Holy shit. Poor cow. Yes, I was going to say, I suppose, are we to assume that's all that's left of the cow? (laughs) What the hell? Jesus Don't stink, you have something you? similar for Clive? Yeah, no. I was thinking, Jesus thing. Can't you have a hamster like everyone else? <laughs> Behold your ultimate fear: a cat in a harness. <laughs> <laughs> We've brought you a cat. I'll be honest with you, I would rather have had some wine gums. <laughs> First, you must learn the loot. <laughs> I can see some places where perhaps for expediency you could have done this uh, internal wordlock thing just to save yourself a bit of exposition but it's basically done without any rhyme or reason for here. It's like, yes I can probably infer that these people are in love given the way that they're Mm. acting. You don't really need to say it. 
I can probably infer that Thufurhawat's not all that happy about his situation having to milk a small cat for po- poison antidote. You don't yes. need to say it as much. Whilst well, being strapped to a, a hotel uh, <coughs> luggage cart. <laughs> Is he coming to give a speech? I am Paul Artredes and I have just blagged my Nat King Cole. That's one way of looking at it. Essentially a very elaborate strike action. Yes. He's Arthur Scargill at this point, isn't he? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not with your bad foot. Ow. Ow. For just six easily monthly instalments. <laughs> It'd be better if some of those killing words were something like "boheed" or something along those lines. <laughs> bit more, bit more motive. Get it up, yeah. <laughs> Your ma. <laughs> Whoa. Easy sport. <laughs> oh dear. 
<laughs> My name is a killing word. I'd better go X directory. <laughs> take this worm shovel. Yes, take this hoe. Tell me if you can find a weed anywhere around here. Mmm, <laughs> childhood. <laughs> Bit further, please. There's some very big worms around here. <laughs> Set, yes, going to set up my camp here. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is a little death that brings about a total obliteration. Oh my. <laughs> Can we take the bus instead? Suddenly I feel somewhat remiss. <laughs> I may have overestimated my capabilities. <laughs> tickle, 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 tickle. <laughs> <laughs> like I say, some of it's not aged well. <laughs> no. Starship Troopers did this slightly better, didn't it? <laughs> I would like to point out that when he goes back under the sand, you're screwed, Kyle McLachlan. That's all right. They, they, they stick hooks in them, and that's fine. They stop it going down because of the hooks, you see. Ah, because of the hooks. Because of the hooks, yeah. They're special hooks. They're worm hooks, I suppose. Yes. Ra. Ho, ho, ho. I hope my ex-girlfriend sees this. That'll show her. <laughs> Dreams can come true. <laughs> Even very strange ones. <laughs> I don't need a psychoanalyst. <laughs> yeah, play those guitars. <laughs> I, I do appreciate the uh, total the uh, score going through this. It's, uh, it works mm. quite well for the. For the it kind of does total, right? Yeah. <laughs> They're not from Ulster, honest. <laughs> 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 
There's a almost a Peter DeVries level of uh, gesticulation there. Well done. So I don't recall exactly what the time scale is over the books, but I think this may be something like a year of uh, mm. guerrilla warfare condensed into one montage. <coughs> it feels slightly disjointed. Yeah. Now, see that voice over there should be saying, this medically induced coma is great. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't want to wake up back in the ward. <laughs> Tell me, the Brotherhood of Steel have uh, let themselves go. <laughs> she left left the lens caps on, pal. And how did he achieve that exactly? <laughs> we skipped the season. This is the recap. <laughs> <laughs> Previously on June. <laughs> Oh yeah, hidden air spring. <laughs> oh yeah. Why do I look like Ray Winstone right now? <laughs> That's a thing for Turn that alarm off Yes Alarm slash dot matrix printer <laughs> And bring this outrageous ADR back in line. <laughs> you have not kept up repayments on your spice production. <laughs> your home is at risk. Interest rates may go down as well as up. <laughs> I mean, you really don't want to live out the rest of your life in a pain amplifier. I can certainly think of preferable scenarios. I mean, you 
you don't even want it in your hi-fi solution. No. Convincing. <laughs> this is a space egg it hatched. It's a spare bit of footage from a razor head that we colorized. <laughs> I don't know, it seemed like you were doing alright for a while there. Oh, sorry, that all all of that sort of happened rather quickly. Yeah. I've kind of lost. I mean, obviously, we've been, we've been talking and jesting over the top of a lot of the dialogue, but I'm still kind of lost as to why suddenly. Yeah, it was, it was a bit of an info dump there, um, and I don't think the film at all really explains it at all. There's no obvious reason at this point why he would need to do this, other than it is fated. <laughs> Which is not a great explanation, really. The the idea, I think, is that when he when he does this, when he takes the, the water of life and successfully does what he does, then he'll wind up being in control of his prescient visions rather than just having them kind of come occasionally in a view, uh, a dream. Mm. So he'll be able to he'll give him a tactical advantage. Them. Yeah, seems like a bit of a risk for a yeah. Why have I got a Hitler moustache, Paul? I remember that from earlier. Yes. <laughs> what a subtle callback. <laughs> Father! <laughs> that said, this is a process to which the sleeper will awaken, so... When the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie. That's a sandworm. <laughs> <laughs> Always thought of a. It's definitely the voice a sandworm would use if it was singing, of course. What, Tony Bennett? Yes. <laughs> no, it's just something the way they look. If you put googly eyes on them, they definitely look like, look like Tony Bennett. Oh. 
I'm not sure why everyone bleeds. No. Oh, Paul, <laughs> what are you going to have done that for? <laughs> the place they cannot look is photo negatives. <laughs> it's a Jamiroquai album. Mum, it's Paul. He's on the heroin again. <laughs> 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 You've annoyed the space babies. Yes. You've annoyed the big giant hand is for some reason a recurring motive in this film for yes. no adequately explained reason. <coughs> Those sandworms are very well behaved. I'm proud <laughs> of them. <laughs> oh, you've something in your eye. <laughs> Z. Fala. Shut up, Paul. I'm dead. Let me sleep. <laughs> Bit late for that news. Yes. I'm very pleased for you, son. <laughs> Did you get your homework finished? <laughs> you better not have been relying on space Wikipedia again. He's going to be very disappointed when this lucid dream ends and he wakes up to realise that he's a bin man. <laughs> Meanwhile, the space tubes gather. Yes. Except the ones who are about to die. <laughs> they won't live quite so long. Ah, worm shovel. <laughs> That is a cool ship. Which doubles by the looks of it as a handy beer bottle opener. Patrick Stewart's grown a mullet in this time. <laughs> Whoa, what the hell happened there? That was a techno binoculars. Oh, was I that looking I, I know that it looked like your MPEG stream was <laughs> degrading, but no. That's what future binoculars look like. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, what do you see in the horizon? Some very bad artifacting. <laughs> oh, my. The worms are coming. The worms are coming. And they brought their guitars. <laughs> They've all got... They're, they're all shredding got on their solos. iPods. Yes. <laughs> He's so reductive. There's more to him than just floating and fatness. He's also ginger and weird. Uh, also, at least twice in that sentence there, I expected him to drop the F-bomb. <laughs> oh, my days. Poor Raban. Is driving this country on the rocks. Oh, he's not taking it well, the Baron, is he? Still, is it responsible to be sending a five-year-old child into that situation? Ah, she'll be fine. <laughs> She's all beyond her years. Yes. She's a very savvy five-year-old. Oh. Oh. Well, actually, in this instance, that's literally what she is. Yes, she's she is born with the, the, the knowledge of all her, the, the women who went before her in her ancestry, so... Yes, yeah, of course, I suppose... But still, clearly five, and yeah, but potentially physically easily overwhelmed. Yeah, but but she's got those cunning Jedi mind tricks, though. I suppose. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sand. <laughs> All right, you little ham. 
<laughs> he brought worms because he's a terrible show-off. Hmm. Wait a minute, about a minute ago they were throwing on beekeeper suits. Yeah, they used atomic weapons to breach a kind of mountain range that was protecting right. this, the other side of the shield of this one. But if you have just set off an atomic weapon, you might be a little bit more, uh, want a little bit more protection when you actually go through that blast radius. Yes. Rather than just having, say, nothing. Maybe it's a different kind of atomic weapon they have these days. He's going to shit you right up. <laughs> He's going to cut off your head and poo down your neck. <laughs> oh, they need the spotlights to pick out the worm. <laughs> <laughs> Chai Latte <laughs> Michael Bibley <laughs> Alvin and the Chipmunks <laughs> I'll use my weird periscope thing to, to, to ascertain yes. what's going on in the scope of battle. Yes. A techno periscope, if you will. Now, I'm not a betting man, Scott, but if I were, I'd be putting <laughs> my money on the army of people with magic powers, sonic weapons, and 400 meter sandworms <laughs> at their best. Well, the results may just surprise you. They won't <laughs> surprise you. No. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yes. Cha, 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 cha. While I will defend this film in a number of respects, in terms of pitched battle scenes, this is not one of the best. No. No. <laughs> not at all. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Beef and black bean sauce. <laughs> To to
Oh, I've been deflated. Whee! Float away. <laughs> Please tell me he's going to get swallowed by a worm. Oh, don't you just know it. Chomp. Oh, yes. Haha, <laughs> got him. <laughs> this is not going well for me. <laughs> I know I'll rotate a bit more. That'll help. <laughs> <laughs> the other way, the other way. <laughs> She's reveling in this to a worrying degree. <laughs> You're right. Hiya. Sup, <laughs> <laughs> <Stop>, bros. <laughs> you mess with me. You mess with my whole damn family. <laughs> There was Baron Woof's a lot in the corner there. I'd, uh, I'd not actually noticed them before now, but no, Baron Woof's a lot uh, survived. Oh, the Hardcoding well. Well, if nothing else has come out of this commentary, no, this isn't. This is a bonus for me. Such a positive. Well, they couldn't quite all fit inside the venue then. No. <laughs> <laughs> right, they put up screens outside. It's like Henman Hill all over again. Up your jaws. (laughs) 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 Fix her teeth for a start. What are you doing inside the porn collection? I'm Sting. Yes. I made an album of loot music. (laughs) You call yourself righteous. <laughs> I'll show you, righteous. <coughs> I'm an alien. I'm a legal alien. <laughs> I'm an Englishman in New York, damn it. <laughs> well, this isn't going to work. You might as well shove that knife up your own arse, Sting. <laughs> oh, there you go. Well. It's a bit closer than you might expect. The, the, the thing that's not really picked up on in this film at all is that... Sting um, has powers. Well, Fade's kind of supposed to almost be the anti-Paul in a number of respects. They're both kind of candidates for... Uh, all right. You know, Kwisatz Haderach ship. So, right. to an extent... I was going to say that. I don't feel as though that's been explained at all. No. Unless we've been speaking over that bit. No, because basically all you've seen of this guy is him being ginger and, and screaming a bit. And just, yeah, just laughing really at everything up. that Harkonnen did. Yeah, sort of having googly eyes occasionally. Oh, 
John. <laughs> I don't need no gun, John. <laughs> I'm going to kill you now. It's, a, it's in many ways it's a, a much better climactic showdown at the end of Commando. Ha <laughs> I am more animated stats. than you. <laughs> <laughs> Did I mention my album of loot music? (laughs) (laughs) Once or twice. Once again, incredibly impractical device there. (laughs) Defined. Judo. Oof. <laughs> oh, you got owned. Oh, oh my dear. I'm as stiff as a board. Oh, dear. <laughs> That's what I got, the tall boy. Woof, woof. <laughs> Where is your sting? Where is your sting now? (laughs) Balls to sting. We Fremen have a saying. He who writes an album of loot music shall be stabbed through the soft palate. <laughs> <laughs> we Fremen have a saying. Many a mickle, max a muckle. So this is the one thing that's truly inexplicable. This film winds up with uh, Paul Mordeep calling down rain into something which can't possibly happen. Uh, it makes very little sense. And it is, it's not in the books and it doesn't really make a great deal of sense. There's a whole subcurrent in the books about, uh, you know, the briefly mentioned changing the face of Arrakis by building an right. ecology and things like that. Right, by by turning the sand into wet sand. Well, yes. If I, they have some better uh, way of uh, explaining how they could possibly build some kind of ecology by creating some small, you know, small botanical places and growing that out. But in the book, in this film, sorry, it, none of that happens. It just simply rains at the end because Blood Deep's become God for some reason, and that is pulled entirely from its ass or its anus, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the end. That that's it. That's all you get. Uh, wow. <laughs> I didn't not enjoy it though, to some extent. I say it has its moments. I think the, the bits that work in it still work quite well, and there's enough positive things in there. Things like that production design, the, the way that this film looks overall, I think is is, hmm. is stunning. Uh, it, it just. <sighs> narratively it can't quite pull off it's trying to condense too many things it adds things that it shouldn't it doesn't explain things that it should but overall it seems to 
kind of work for me. I don't know how much of that is just because I read the book, so I know the bits that I can fill in uh, that it didn't add and ignore the bits that it didn't need to. But, you know, and I like it. I still like it. I, I can fully understand that most of it is not good in very real uh scientifically measurable ways but still nonetheless i like it it's, it's a such a level of bombast that i can appreciate what it's doing and um and so i still like it on that basis but yeah, oh, it's, yeah it's just interesting i kind of want to go back and watch it again now just in isolation um on a on a decent size screen and um because it wasn't actually as um Ludicrous as you were like to believe. Out there ludicrous, terrible as yes, one, mm-hmm. you know, popular opinion would have you believe. I've I've seen a lot worse adaptations of uh, science fiction novels than that. Mm. Um one can tell where certain parts have obviously been somewhat rushed. Yeah. Um or something's been lost in the edit. But yeah. <laughs> but uh no, I think overall it's a it's a win. Uh, it's it's probably fair that it was treated harshly. I think it does do a, a hell of a lot of things that just uh, are not well enough explained. But nonetheless, I like it. It's the sort of thing that if you if you it shows what's possible if you throw enough money at people who have like true vision. I mean, we were talking a bit about this with the uh, uh, when we were talking about Mission Impossible things like uh, the first Mission Impossible film where Brian De Palma had it, and uh, mm. you know he he managed to put his own spin on things and his own. Uh, his own vision to something that you don't often see in the big budget stuff that comes out these days, which all feels yeah. a bit cookie cutter and all a bit the same. You know, you can't really tell one Marvel film from another if you know what I mean. Whereas if you gave uh, David Lynch the same amount of money as you were going to give, I don't know, a Joss Whedon to do one of his uh, his films <laughs> or Joss, <laughs> yeah. I was going to say David Lynch to make a Marvel film. Yeah, something like that. You know, it would that would be, I think, far more interesting, at least in terms of the cinematic landscape, as you would, you would get here. But I don't know. I don't know. Well, I, I'm glad. I'm glad we took the time to watch that together, Scott. Yes. Thank you for opening my mind to June. No. As uh, as the man from Total Recall said, I hope you've enjoyed it, and we'll see you guys next time. Take care.